Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek actor and podcaster, Tawny Newsom. They said if you had a multiracial crew, you wouldn't get in. Well, I said, well, we can't do the show then because we will never get to the 23rd century if we're not all living together. And I would like to welcome back our guest host this week, actor, producer, director, Star Trek Discovery star, Mary Chifo. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) So Mary, what resonates with you when you hear this quote? So, so many different things. I also just want to say that I'm such a big fan of Tawny's and I just think she's amazing Mm -hmm. and a brilliant uh, comedian and actor and her voice work on Lower Decks is amazing. I love her uh, in-person human work as well. Uh, I mean, she is a human (laughs) on the show. You know what I'm saying? Um, But I just think she's fabulous. And I definitely I have we've only interacted on social media. So I'm I'm very eager to meet her in person. So, Tony, if you're listening, hey, <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> to the point of this quote, you know, obviously this is a huge part of the impact that Star Trek made from the get-go was that um, while we've continued to expand on the stories that we tell, the representation on the screen, the fact that people were seeing themselves for the first time and in this, you know, utopian environment, they were seeing positive images of themselves that were not anchored towards uh, stereotypical ideas of who they were supposed to be. And again, I think we just continue to expand on that and and improve upon it uh, with every iteration of the show. Something that I wanted to put out there as well is, is just the term uh, normalization, which is one that I've really come to love and embrace, is mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, our casts need to be normalized, that the idea of a multiracial crew of diversifying a cast. It's I, I think we need to really look at our vocabulary in who's who are we presenting at the table. The table is for everyone. It's not anyone's table that people are, should be invited to, that it should mm-hmm. be equally dispersed amongst everyone. And that's the normalization mm-hmm. that we are seeking out is showing what the world looks like and how the world should look in the case of Trek is what this utopian society represents is one that, as Jean says, you know, if we're going to get to where we should get to, we have to show this in this way. Mary, I feel like you have a little bit in common with Jean, just in that, just in the talking we've done this week, because I think you're going <laughs> to, you're going to be one of those people who has the chutzpah mm-hmm. to do, <laughs> no, to do what Mr. Ronberry did, which was like, well, then there's not a show. Think about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. No, but mm-hmm. think about that. That's so much money 
on the table, right? And everybody loves money. I mean, me too, right? It's security because it represents security. But all this money's on the table for Mr. Roddenberry. And he's like, you know what? Not a show. Not going to take all this money mm -hmm. if you don't agree with my concept of the show. Mm -hmm. And that is so bold. Back then, especially, I'm saying now it's rare. Back then, it was probably unheard of. And I meant that, Mary. Mm -hmm. I think as a producer, as a creator, you're going to be someone who can do that, who can set that boundary and say, no, but really, this is the show. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I applaud. Well, yeah, I, I really. That's a very. I, you honor me. You honor me. No, <laughs> but, cool. that, <laughs> but Trent, you too. You know, like I feel like you guys are aware people, and it doesn't mean we all have to agree on the same things mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. you know important mm -hmm. to us. But it just it's holding fast to what you believe in, what will help humanity, mm -hmm. as these quotes often talk about humanity. But this one's mm -hmm. really cut and dried. It's like, listen. You, we got an Asian guy, we got a black guy, we got a black woman, we got whoever on this show. And if we don't, I'm not making the show. That's deep. Mm -hmm. He was all in. He was all in financially. He was all in emotionally. And this quote of, is the first one of all the quotes that we've heard so far that has uh, a little bit of spice, a little bit of flavor. <laughs> you know, like the quotes are, his quotes are always aspirational and they're so well written and well-delivered by uh, all of our guests who are reading them for us. But this one has a little flavor. I believe it was from a, uh, an interview on Late Night America. So I guess he felt a little more freewheeling by saying, this is it. This is the way it has to be. We're never going to get there. There's not a show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, say take it or leave it. All in, take it or leave it. I love the word Mary used, normalized, because um, mm -hmm. when I hit town as an actor in the 90s, right, and I didn't have any connections to anyone here, everybody said, get a nose job. <laughs> and I was like, I'm fine with my <laughs> nose. You could shade that shit, whatever. It's fine. But also, more importantly, was my hair. <laughs> Everyone said, I know it sounds ridiculous in today's world, but my curly hair was very controversial. Everybody wanted me to straighten it. And da-da-da-da. And I looked messy and unkempt and all these things. And I, all I could kept thinking was, mm. and now I'm going to normalize this for everyone because this is how the this stuff grows out of my head. Yes. What's what's more yep. normal than how it grows out of my head? And mm -hmm. to that end, you know, to have a captain with uh, curly, kinky hair on a Star Trek show mm -hmm. and for her mm -hmm. to be able to wear natural hair and not have it. Mm -hmm. She could straighten it if she wants, but I'm saying to have that, that's not impor as important as Star Trek, the whole series, but it helps normalize these things yes. by having a black woman captain or having a, I, Absolutely. you know, I never got the senator's wife roles because I was considered too kooky. And then I would go in for, let's say, a slave part. And they would say, you're too modern looking. And I would say, I'm pretty sure mm. those plantations were littered with people who looked exactly like me, actually. Mm -hmm. So just trying to normalize this for people is a huge thing. And I'm indebted to someone uh, like Gene Roddenberry for holding fast to that. Uh, yes, I, everything you said, I'm just... Nodding, I'm mm-hmming and nodding, and and exactly, I think, again, a huge theme that I hope we can keep embracing in this industry is people standing in their authentic truth is the best version of them. That we don't, mm -hmm. why do we want, and again, acting is transforming, it is, you know, obviously we're going to do the work to do, you know, whatever is required for the story, but there are certain aspects of ourselves that we, yeah, must be normalized, must be celebrated. And I've luckily been about a part of so many conversations like this one where those of us that have come up against whatever thing where someone's like, change this, do that. 
where you say it's being aired out. People, we are acknowledging it and we're allowing, because uh-huh. that is also a way of representation, whether it's the stories, like someone can hear that story and go, oh my gosh, I had that experience as well. Now's the time to, to stand for that. And I, I wanted to speak to as well, I think we it's important to celebrate in the way that Roddenberry had this vision and was so steadfast that he is, you know, these are the types of allies we need. That we we mm-hmm. need that cis white straight man <laughs> mm-hmm. to go. Hey, this is how it goes. And I think you know we are hopefully in this turning point where mentorship, where we are getting more people in higher positions of power who can then see themselves in someone who is in a, a minoritized group. Which I think also that's a vocabulary word that I've been incorporating is it's a group that is minoritized, not that is 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 mm. a minority. I like, like that, that, that distinction. Are... I hadn't heard that before. Let's come curious. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I. I mean, I. I'm learning more every day. But when I find a term like again, normalizing casting, and then yeah, again, like mm-hmm. make it clear that so many of the terms that we use often are just a result of upholding white supremacy. Well, ma- so <laughs> our manifest destiny, like we were talking about this before, yep. like expats versus you know illegal aliens and immigrants. Illegal so, aliens. Like, you get to be an expat mm-hmm. and wear a cape. And and everyone right. else is an illegal alien. And I only I brought up the hair thing because I just read that the army had just finally in 2021 okayed some hairstyles that are black conducive to our mm-hmm. hair, mm-hmm. my hair, mm-hmm. you know, black hair. So it took yeah. till 2021 for that to happen, and and that's insane to me. I mean, what do you think, Trent? What's your thoughts? So this interview uh, took place in the mid 80s. So well post the original series just before The Next Generation went on the air. And clearly, this was something that Gene still held very true to his work and his belief. Uh, You know, Star Trek was not a long-running series when it first aired. You know, had some movies, it did really well. And then relaunched again with The the Next Generation. And Paramount, pardon the pun, uh, was that a multiracial crew cast was at the forefront of taking us even farther into the future. We had an earlier quote where Gene said something to the effect of, like, if we don't learn these things now, we're never going to make it to the 23rd century. And that's exactly what he's saying again in this Mm -hmm. quote. That is a really good point, because he said, um, these quotes, if you've noticed, if you've been listening to the podcast, some of them are very similar, right? In different ways. But I kind Mm -hmm. of love that he's got an idea of something that is important to him and then stuck with it. He didn't Mm -hmm. give up when a pile of cash per this quote was presented to him. He could have easily, as as I Mm -hmm. spoke to you in a couple episodes ago, you bend, but you don't break, right? Mm -hmm. So it would have been breaking for Gene to say, yes, just make everyone white. That that would have been a, a break. But I bet you he bet on some other stuff we don't know about, you know, because in the mm-hmm. original show, I always missed um, a black guy. <laughs> you yeah. know, mm-hmm. like we had a woman, mm-hmm. which yeah. was amazing for me to be a woman to see someone else. But I, I remember thinking at some point in the 80s, I think like looking back on the old show, like was it too threatening for them to have a black guy on the bridge? 
because a woman was a little easier and palatable. Like I even know from my own mm-hmm. life as a mm-hmm. black woman, especially when I was younger, I was cute and, and palatable and easy and you could take home to your parents and it's super easy. But then once you become a woman woman, it's a little tougher. And from black men mm-hmm. or Spanish men or you know ethnic men, mm-hmm. uh, it starts much earlier. They are turned into mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. at age 11, right? So I always wonder, we'll never know if that's true or not, but I love that Uhura is on there. So important to all of of us and it's not just I think about um he says multiracial here but I think it's again in line with his diversity thing we just want diversity mm-hmm. because out of that comes new ideas and new life I mean if Trent and I were exactly mm-hmm. the same we wouldn't have as much fun together on this like I need mm-hmm. no but I need Trent's calming energy <laughs> before I explode and I love you steering the ship and going crazy mm-hmm. I, I mean that's meteor great. sometimes but, but I try yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that I, I think that is so and some Something that I, um, this is making me think of, that I have really learned from the experience of being a part of Trek is the importance of the representation behind the scenes as well. Because Mm -hmm. we need the storytellers. Again, we need the allies. And then as much as we can fill our rooms with people who have individual experiences, that makes for a better writer's room to have Mm -hmm. an expansion of experiences because not only will that allow us to not tell the same story over and over again, it will allow us to Mm -hmm. re-examine the story that, again, the hero's journey. I love, I'm all about Campbell and I'm all about, you know, but it's about the reinterpretation and what does it mean to have a black woman as our protagonist? What is her hero's journey? How is that unique and exciting and still follows certain archetypes that we know and love when we've seen a white man do it, but what is the profundity of seeing her take ownership of her own space in her own way? I'm going to call myself out on something because I literally earlier said, and this was true in the 90s, I could never audition to be a senator. It was always the senator's wife because we didn't have women senators in the 90s Mm. and we didn't have black ones, Mm. right? And I said, Mm -hmm. when I was talking about the hair, I said I couldn't be a senator's wife. Look how narrow that is, right? But that was conditioning and put on me. That you can't yeah. be these things. So when you go, when we talk about Mary uh, and her comment about normalization, right? This is yeah. why representation is yeah. so important because I grew up yeah. in the seventies yeah. and eighties, and there was nobody. Uh, you could be <laughs> yeah. the wife. You could be the wife in, instead of the lead in your own Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And I will say, as a gay man, you know, it was it took a long time for me to see you know gay relationships featured prominently in storylines that were just quote unquote normal. It wasn't a fad. It wasn't, you know, hinted at that it was forefront in the story. For me, the first time I kind of got a sense of that was like in Deep Space Nine when Dax had Mm -hmm. her uh, same sex kiss and they got away with it because she had a a male trill in her, (laughs) but her body was female and she she met an old love who was female and all of that. So does that make her trans though? Like, See, I think it also played with that yeah. binariness and trans yeah. as well. Like Star way Trek, before yes, Star Trek has always figured out a way to get these messages out there while entertaining and right in front of everyone's face. When when the guy on Melrose Place couldn't even hold his boyfriend's <laughs> hand, right. Jadzia Dax was you know sharing same sex kisses with yeah. Him. And and speaking to that, I think I was just having a, a really awesome conversation with my dear friend Riley Silverman, who is a magnificent trans woman, uh, awesome geek. And we were talking about the evolution of trans representation in Trek. Now, you mm-hmm. know, the difference now we have in Discovery is we have two actors who are themselves trans. 
and Mm non-binary and the Mm -hmm. profundity of that and to see that and that they exist, you know, interestingly within a world that they are, there's a trill relationship as well. But Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting expansion of, and and I think we find this with sci-fi in general, is that where does the, the, the mixture of the metaphor of, you know, it's so great to have it in, in DAX, in, in Deep Space Nine, in so many different ways and so many different, you know, there's been queer coding in so many different uh, aspects of storytelling and in sci-fi. And how can we acknowledge that? Thank goodness that was there to help us move towards uh, more mm-hmm. actualization. Mm-hmm. But how exciting it is to have actors. And I love this about what having Anthony uh, and Wilson be able to speak to their experiences mm-hmm. as gay mm-hmm. men playing these roles that since it's not overtly talked about it is more normalized within this Star Trek world, the beauty of just being able to talk about that. And I I just hope, and specifically when it comes to overall queer representation and trans representation, I hope that we just get to see more. I want to see, I want to see trans women on track. I, I, you know, I, I want to see as much as possible in that realm where they, it is an aspect of their being. That was what I loved what Riley was saying was that it is an aspect of who they are and they happen to maybe be an alien or they happen to be human, mm-hmm. but it is like mm-hmm. an innate part of their existence and it is loved and celebrated uh, by the people around them. And just the more that we can see that, the better. You guys, I love that we're having this conversation because I can't tell you how many people feel comfortable enough to say to my face that they think it's, I don't understand why there has to be someone black on every show or someone gay on every show. Now it needs normalization for those people. Clearly, Mm -hmm. that's why this is all important. We get to walk about this forever, but we got to wrap it up. And what a fantastic quote and what a fantastic conversation. Mm -hmm. So please, if you want to check out the videos of our friends reading these quotes, you can check them out on the Roddenberry social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Ciao. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.